Dave had never left work this early. The sun was still hanging low in the sky when he unlocked the front door. As he stepped inside, he noticed the soft murmur of a familiar podcast playing in the living room. He followed the sound, a mix of curiosity and exhaustion driving him. And there she was, his wife Sarah, sitting on the couch with another man. They were huddled together, listening to the podcast they both loved, Memory Arcade, which was playing on a speaker. Dave's initial reaction was fury, his imagination running wild with suspicions. Sarah looked up, her eyes wide with surprise. Dave, you're home early. The other man, who turned out to be their neighbor, Tom, nervously adjusted the volume. Sorry, Dave. We got carried away. I hope you don't mind. Dave clenched his jaw and pulled out a makeshift pocket knife he made at work, ready to confront them. But then he noticed the sincerity in their eyes and heard Tom's words. Dave, why don't you join us? Dave's anger dissolved into grin. You know what? This podcast is just too good and too addicting to stay mad at both of you. I'd love to listen to it with you guys. Just as they settled in, Tom's wife walked in, holding a tray of freshly baked cookies. She was so shocked by the sight that she dropped the cookies. She then reached for the 38 that was tucked into her apron. But as she realized they were all listening to Memory Arcade, her expression transformed into a warm smile. And she asked, Mind if I join? And just like that, a new group of friends have formed, all scratching a fantasy off their bucket list, sharing a beloved moment together, listening to their favorite podcast, Memory Arcade. And nobody got stabbed or shot. Friday night or Saturday night or just doesn't matter what day it is it's a night and you don't have anything to do you're just sitting there you know you're just sitting there trying to figure out what you want to do all your friends are at work or they're preoccupied you know with their families or you know or just their own lives you know you're uh maybe your wife went to bed maybe all your kids are in bed or maybe they're I don't know, maybe they're out partying without you. Maybe they're, you know, maybe maybe all your close friends are at a bar getting really wasted. And you said, you know what? I don't want to drink tonight. I don't want to go out tonight. I don't want to spend an outrageous amount of money on alcohol. And, you know, and socialize and, and be a part of this, that weird awkward crowd 
that kind of just only gets together when they're drinking and you know they're drunk and all you know their breath smells like cigarettes maybe you're not trying to be in that you know you're, maybe that's not your crowd you're not trying to be in that atmosphere at least not tonight you know you just all the sports are done they're all all the games are done you're tired of playing the same video games you're sick and tired of scrolling through TikToks. You have nothing to do. You know, you, you're like, you know what? I'm going to stay here. I'm going to kick back in my favorite chair or lay down in my bed. I'm going to have me a nice, a nice glass of bourbon or a beer or maybe a Mountain Dew. And I'm going to listen to the Memory Arcade podcast. And I'm going to just completely sell out and completely invest into some crazy wild ass stories well if that's the decision you made you're going to be glad that you did for this episode because this episode is going to absolutely just take you on a whirlwind on a whirlwind roller coaster ride inside a tornado and trapped by a hurricane like it is it's going to be one of the it's going to be the craziest episode yet. You are not going to believe these stories. This first one is called Weird and it's a roller coaster ride. So get your favorite drink ready, get your snacks ready, get the popcorn going and uh yeah. Sit down and enjoy this story. Let's go. This first one. This first story is called Leard. Mark had always been a solitary man. Mark had always been a solitary man. His life, a lonely procession of work and evenings, spent eating donuts and aimlessly scrolling through online dating profiles. He had no friends to hang out with and no family to speak of. But one night, as he swiped through the countless faces on his screen, he stumbled upon a profile that sent shivers down his spine. The woman in the picture was familiar, and Mark's heart raced as he realized she was someone he had known and secretly harbored a crush on in his younger days. Without hesitation, he messaged her, asking if she'd like to go on a date. To his surprise, she replied with a cryptic, Hell yes, but her eagerness was unsettling. She insisted that they meet immediately at a creepy, run-down hotel in a sketchy part of town. Determined to see if his fantasies could finally become a reality, Mark agreed to meet her. As he drove through the dimly lit streets to the mysterious hotel, he couldn't shake the feeling of unease. A car closely tailing him only deepened his suspicions. Panic set in as the car repeatedly tried to run him off the road. She repeatedly tried to swerve into his car. Then, when he caught a glimpse of the driver, he was shocked to recognize her as the very woman he was on his way to meet. Becky. Fear surged through him, and he maneuvered his car to escape the menacing pursuit. Finally arriving at the hotel, Doubting what he had just witnessed, the hotel's exterior made it difficult to find the right room. But Mark pressed on, determined to confront the woman he had longed for. 
When he finally found the room, his crush Becky greeted him with an inviting smile. At first, she seemed pleasant, even charming. However, as she went into the bathroom to change, Mark's unease intensified. A foul odor wafted from beneath the bed, and he couldn't resist checking. What he discovered beneath the bed was a nightmare. Two lifeless bodies. It was two dead men, both with their throats cut, and one with a pair of scissors sticking out of his head. Terror consumed him, and he realized he had been leered here to meet his end. Frantically, he tried to escape, but as he reached for the door, she emerged from the bathroom, brandishing a menacing kitchen knife. Mark fought desperately to defend himself, but she managed to slice his arms and legs severely. Just when it seemed like all hope was lost, a powerful force shattered the door open. A woman with a determined look kicked down the entrance and shot Becky before she could deal a fatal blow. Mark, weakened and bewildered, watched as the stranger Eileen revealed herself as the woman who had tried to run him off the road earlier. Eileen looked eerily similar to Becky, which added to Mark's confusion. She explained that she had been tracking Becky's online activities for weeks, suspecting her true nature. Eileen had saved Mark just in time as the police arrived to investigate the scene. Mark was left with a deep sense of gratitude and a newfound friend, Eileen, who had emerged from the shadows to rescue him from a gruesome fate. After that, he only agreed to meet online dates with Eileen close by to protect him. Okay, alright, so this story is confusing. This story is, is a really, it's confusing because it takes a really, it, there is a very bizarre twist in here. Okay, so you got this guy, Mark. Uh, he, he's alone, he's sitting, you know, he, he's bored and stuff, and uh, he does what he normally does. I guess he just, he, uh, he, he looks through online profiles, online dating profiles of women that he would like to go on a date with, just like so many people do. And, you know, he's looking for a date and uh, he comes across a picture that of a woman who was very familiar to him. It turned out that it was a woman named Becky, who he had a crush on in his younger days. So, you know, he... Uh, he sent her a message, I guess, see if she was interested, and she said she was interested, and and then, but, though, she was very creepily eager, like, almost immediately, like, she was, she said that she wanted to meet up with him, like, right away, and not just, like, not at her place, not at his place, not at a restaurant, you know, nowhere where there was other people around, she wanted him to meet her up at a creepy rundown hotel in a sketchy part of town. You know, he did say that that was, that seemed a little off to him, but you know what? He was desperate. He was, he was lonely and he had a crush on her. He was willing to take the chance. He was willing to ignore the huge red flag that was present at this moment in the story, you know, like, uh, you know, I just don't think it's a good idea to 
ever, ever meet up someone, a stranger, okay, maybe she's not a stranger, he used to know her in his younger days, but in my mind, if you haven't spoken to someone, I don't know, say in 10, 15 years, they're strangers again, you don't know them, you have no idea what happened to them, you don't know where they're at emotionally, mentally, physically, what happened, how different they are, people change. You know, I don't think it's ever a safe idea to meet up with a stranger in a private setting where it's just you and the stranger all alone with nobody else around. Huge red flag. I don't like that. That part to me is is creepy in itself right there. But you know what, though? He was willing to take a chance. He was like, you know what? I just I want to be with somebody. All my friends have somebody. I don't or no, he actually he says he doesn't even have any friends. He's like, I don't I don't have friends. He doesn't have family. He doesn't have anyone. So can you blame him? I mean so I mean of course he's doing what so many other people do. As they're looking for some sort of relationship, some sort of bond on the internet. Whether it's whether it's through chatting online dating, social media, you know, these are how a lot of people, this is how a lot of people get attention. But anyway, so, you know, he, he agreed and he left and, but this is the bizarre, very bizarre. As he was driving, you know, alone on a, on a road, a woman driving, got driving behind him, got up really close to him and active and acted as if she was trying to run him off the road. You know, she was swerving, she was driving beside him, she was trying to lean her car into his, trying to get him to slow down or go off the road and maybe cause an accident, at least in his mind, that's what was happening. And he got a good look of the woman, he said. He said he looked at her and the woman was Becky. The Becky, the, the the same woman that he was on his way to meet at the hotel. And he's like, well, what the heck? Why is she trying to kill me? Did she set me up? Why is she trying to run me off the road and stuff? And um, he was kind of creeped out. And I don't blame him there. I think we all would. That would be very confusing. But he was able to maneuver his car drive faster or somehow get away from her and escape and even though he thought Becky was trying to run him off off the road and possibly kill him he still decided to try to meet up with her at the hotel now he did say that maybe he was just seeing things maybe you know he's he started doubting himself. He was like, no, that couldn't be it. That had to be somebody else. And, you know, so he continued on. He drove to the hotel and he, you know, he, he got lost for a little bit. I guess, you know, sometimes hotel rooms can be a little bit confusing, hard to find. And, but, um, he found it and she was there. Becky was there. She greeted him inside the room and, Soon as he walked in the room, 
well, it wasn't as soon as he walked in the room. He, when he walked in the room, you know, at first she was nice and pleasant and very welcoming and friendly and everything. And then, you know, she suspiciously snuck, you know, went into the bathroom to change. And I was like, what do you got to change into? You just got there. You just got to the hotel. You don't live there. What are you going to change into? Like, you know, literally like, I don't know, 30 minutes after meeting online, you immediately got to get to a hotel and you got to change. Like, what are you up to? That's a red, that's a red flag in my opinion. But anyway, she went off into the bathroom. He kind of just hanged back. He hung up, you know, I guess he sat down on the bed and then he started, you know, smelling a weird odor or, you know, he, he, he had a weird feeling that something was off. And he just thought that the room didn't smell right. So he decided to investigate. You know, he first thing he did, first thing a lot, what a lot of people do when they go to hotel rooms is they look under the bed. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, that's a good place to look when you go to a hotel room. You never know what you're going to find. You never know if you're going to find money. You don't know if you're going to find drugs, condoms, or, you know... <laughs> A syringe, a used syringe, and but in in his case, he found two dead bodies. Two dead bodies underneath the bed, both with their, thro- you know, throats cut. One guy had a pair of scissors sticking out of his head. You know, he and then he realized that he was leered. He was leered that he realized that this woman is a murderer. She's a serial killer and so, seems like she lures men to places that she meets, you know, she lures men that she meets online to places so that she can kill them. And he was able to put, you know, two and two together and he tried to get the hell out of there. And when he went for the door, she emerged from the bathroom holding a knife. And she pursued him and chased him and sliced him several times on the arm and leg. And she was slicing him up pretty good. He tried to fight back, but when you're already sliced up and you're losing blood and and everything, like, she's got the upper hand on you. She had the element of surprise. You know, there was, he was, he was caught off guard. He was not in a good place to defend himself you know and but just as Becky was getting ready to give him the, the you know the final blow the fatal blow that you know that would that would kill him and came in another woman kicking down the door holding a gun and she shot Becky like immediately and she, you know and Mark is like well, what is going on right now like I just got leered in by the psycho woman who was at one time my my you know a woman that I had a crush on in my younger days but turns out that she's like some sort of serial killer now and she's just leering guys and she's cutting them up and stabbing them in the head with scissors and he's just trying to you know make friends or have some sort of relationship in his life and you know and then all of a sudden Boom, a woman comes in and then shoots, shoots Becky, saves his, you know, saves his life. 
And but then he looks at, you know, the woman. It turns out the woman that kicked in the door and shot Becky, her name was Eileen. Her name is Eileen. And to make things more confusing, Eileen looked almost looked eerily similar to Becky. Like almost looked exactly like her. And it turns out that Eileen had been investigating and tracking Becky, you know, online, monitoring her online activity. Because maybe she was, you know, onto her from a previous killing or something. But she was suspicious of her and was tracking her activity. And somehow she knew where, you know, somehow she knew the the only road that Mark could take to get to this hotel. And I guess, you know, she, you know, so, she, you know, she revealed that she was the one that was trying to get swerve him off the road to try to alert him, you know, to try to save his life. They warned him that he was driving towards, you know, a what she suspected a serial killer. As you know, a hotel room that was, you know, where a serial killer was staying at. And she was trying to warn him and, you know, and save his life. I don't know why she didn't honk the horn. I don't know why she didn't, like, I don't know, make a sign. I don't understand how saving someone's life is trying to take someone's life by running them off the road. But you know what? We all got our, you know, our, you know, our quirks about us, our, you know, our strategies that don't seem to make sense to other people, but they do to us and that's all that matters. So, yeah, so that's crazy. So, you know, and then, you know, the police got there right away. They were able to clear up the scene and they investigated and it turns out that Becky was the serial killer woman that they were investigating this whole time. And Eileen, Eileen was not a cop. At least it doesn't sound like it just sounds like she was, um, you know, what, what are they called? Like sluice that, you know, just average normal citizens that take cases, you know, take cases and they just take it upon themselves to solve them. And that's what she did here. And she ended up saving Mark's life. And, and rightfully so, he was pre very appreciative of Eileen. And then, you know, they became friends and, you know, he, he met a new friend through Eileen. And now he says that, Whenever he goes on a, a date with somebody he meets online, he makes sure that Eileen is there to protect him. So, um, I don't know. It sounds like maybe he should be dating Eileen. That, I feel like that's the obvious, you know, obvious thing here to, you know, the obvious way to end this story. But that's not how it ended. But, you know, that's fine. Not every story has to have a, a happy and you know a happy ending like that where it's obvious and you can kind of predict it yeah man so this story was crazy um what i like about this story of course like i do almost all stories i like it when guys lonely guys take chances and they go out their comfort zone and you know he he got a he got a shot to meet up with his you know what you know his crush from his younger days and he thought you know what i'm gonna meet up with her what could go wrong he I, he he didn't know all this evil shit was gonna was gonna you know happen to him he didn't know that he was being leered in by some psycho woman 
He had no idea. And then he had no idea that, you know, that she was being, you know, investigated and, and tracked by a whole nother woman that looks exactly like her. You know, that's kind of a, kind of a plot twist. I kind of wish it kind of explained why or how Eileen looks so much, you know, uh, maybe it's, maybe it's just coincidence, but that's a weird coincidence. Um, I don't like that there were some, clearly some red flags and he chose to ignore them, but haven't we all done that? Hasn't everybody that's ever been on a date or met someone through online or, you know, has anybody, you know, haven't we all kind of taken a chance, taken a chance on somebody that we knew that we were going to regret, but something for some reason, maybe we're just all idiots. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, something just told us that, you know what, maybe they would be different for me. Maybe for me, they will be different or things will be different or, you know, but that's, that's not what happened here. You know, but you know what? You can't blame him for that. I don't think you can blame anybody for, I mean, yes, it is kind of crazy. Like you don't ever want to meet some, a stranger in a private setting like that, where it's just you and them and nobody else around. I feel like you're kind of asking for trouble. That's not very safe online dating behavior, if you ask me. And uh, so anyways, this story had has some issues. There's some plot holes here because you know how how did Eileen know that Mark was on his way to the hotel room unless she had it hacked and she could see Becky talking to Mark and she could get the IP address get his location and see where he could come from I mean the the way I kind of took it is was that there was only one road that you could take to get to this hotel. And she just sat and waited for Mark to go by. To tail him. And try to run him off the road. To warn him. And then there's the whole. You know. Why does she look so much like Becky? Why does Eileen look so much like her? You know. That is. Coincidences do happen. But in a story. I feel like it needs to make sense. It needs to, There needs to be a reason. There needs to be some sort of backstory. We didn't really get that. You know, maybe she obsessed with Becky. Maybe she was obsessed with her. Maybe she was tracking her and wanted to, like, learn. You know, she was learning about her. And somehow she just found herself, like, she just found her life. She was, I don't know, slowly turning into Becky. She was slowly turning into the person that she was tracking and investigating so much that she started looking like her. I don't know. There's other, there's, I've heard worse, you know, batshit crazy theories out, you know, out there, but that's, you know, I've heard crazier theories than that. So anyways, uh, I like the story. It was kind of creepy. I mean, just imagine just writing, you're driving to, you know, someone that you're supposed to go on a date with. Then all of a sudden someone, you know, comes up and tries to run you off, run you off the road and. You know, as if they're like trying to kill you and you look at them and it's the person that you're on your way to, you know, to meet up with. It's kind of creepy. You know, it's he was leered just like the name of the name of the of the story leered. He was leered to his potential death. 
and he saw the two dead bodies, you know, two, un unfortunately, two guys, you know, got caught and, you know, she killed. But thankfully, he was not one of the guys. He was not, you know, he was able to break out or he was able to get saved by Aline. She came in, saved the day, and then, you know, it was, uh, it was happy. It was all happy stuff after that, so... Great story. I hope everybody liked it. I liked it. It was pretty uh, pretty intense at times. And uh, yeah, so so basically the more the moral of the story is just because you think you know somebody because you had a crush on them in your younger days doesn't mean you know anything about how they are today. They can they can be completely different. So always have your guard up. And always, always watch your back. Now, this next story is another thriller that's going to absolutely take you on another whirlwind adventure. This one is pretty intense, graphic, graphic at times, it's very violent. And, uh, yeah, so this, this story is brutal, it's violent, it's every, it has everything you need for a classic slasher slash thriller. So this next story is called Upended. And, you know, sit down, relax, and enjoy this story. Let's go. This is called Upended. Sarah was a dedicated HR manager at a sprawling, bustling company. Her life revolved around spreadsheets, employee meetings, and the daily grind of corporate responsibilities. Yet beneath her professional exterior, she wrestled with a profound sense of loneliness. One evening, Sarah found herself waiting at a dimly lit restaurant, nervously glancing at her watch as the minutes ticked by. John, her date, was late. Very late. She had already ordered a glass of wine. But as the hours passed, the anticipation gave way to disappointment. John never showed up, and Sarah, with a heavy heart, left the restaurant, feeling dejected. She walked back to her apartment, a grand skyscraper that loomed over the city. Exhausted and disheartened, she stepped into the elevator, ready to escape the world for the night. As the doors closed, she received a text from John. Still upset, she chose to ignore it. Then her phone rang, and it was John calling. With a deep sigh, she answered, preparing to give him a piece of her mind. However, John's voice trembled with panic. He explained that he had been stopped by the police, who were searching for a deranged serial killer. The suspect was last seen running toward her apartment building. The blood in Sarah's veins turned to ice as she realized the danger she might be in. Just as John's words sank in, a couple of men entered the elevator. She couldn't be sure if one of them was the killer and fear gripped her. As the elevator continued its ascent, 
More men joined them, making her anxiety intensify. Her heart raced, and the suspense became unbearable. Just as the elevator neared the top floor, the killer revealed himself. He pulled out a pair of nunchucks that was modified with two blades on each end. He quickly sliced all the other men's throats, swung and stabbed one guy in the head and another guy in the neck, killing them instantly. Sarah was left alone inside the elevator with the killer, who immediately tried to attack her, but she put up a tougher fight than the killer expected. She was able to kick, punch, and claw against him. They both got bloody as they were hitting each other relentlessly. Sarah was beginning to lose a lot of blood as she was hit by the modified nunchucks repeatedly, but she refused to give up. She knew that one mistake could instantly lead to her death. She fought hard and traded punches and did everything she could do to stop him from getting a hold of her. As the elevator reached the 95th floor and the, and the door opened, she was able to grab one end of the nunchucks and put it between the door and the wall of the elevator shaft and kicked the other end of the nunchucks into his face. As the elevator closed the doors to go up, the nunchucks were strongly pulled by the elevator, instantly yanking the killer's head right off his shoulders. Sarah was grossed out by what she just witnessed and was exhausted but relieved because she just won the fight for her life. As the elevator got all the way up to the roof level, she was covered in blood and cut wounds. With adrenaline coursing through her veins, she bolted for the exit. Gasping for breath and on the verge of collapse, Sarah reached the rooftop. To her shock, there stood John, looking both surprised and confused. As he began to explain himself, the truth sent shivers down Sarah's spine. John revealed that he had orchestrated this terrifying ordeal, hiring a hitman to take her out in a twisted act of revenge for a past incident that had cost him his job. The revelation of John's treachery left her speechless, forever changing her perception of trust and the death of human darkness. John then tried to take her out himself and started chasing her on the rooftop. Sarah ran for her life, screaming for help at the top of her lungs. But she was on the rooftop, and there was nobody nearby who could hear her. John was getting closer, holding a hunting knife in his hand. Sarah then ran towards the edge of the rooftop. She then anticipated John would try and tackle her, so as John lunged, she deviated from her run path timing John's jump, and he completely missed her. Losing his balance, Anne stumbled off the roof of the building, and he fell 98 stories to his death. Sarah still trying to collect her thoughts. She couldn't believe what just happened. She didn't just survive one, but she survived two people trying to kill her. Moments later, she told the police what happened. After she was cleared of any wrongdoing, she quit her job and moved to a different city to try and live a better life. Her story got around and she became well known for what happened that night in that apartment building when her life was nearly upended. 
Okay, all right. So this is a crazy story. So this woman who she works HR at a company and, um, you know, she, I guess she's worked there for a long time. But anyways, I guess she had a night off and she was looking to unwind and enjoy some company uh, from a date that I, I'm assuming that she met online. Another um, or another online dating gone wrong story. Anyway, so she was at a restaurant and, you know, she's waiting for, you know, her date John to arrive, but he never does. He never shows up and, I mean, she had already ordered wine, she was already drinking and so quite a bit of time had passed up and, you know, she kind of lost hope. She gave up and um, she decided, you know what, I'm not going to wait anymore and she decided to walk back towards her apartment and... Just as, you know, she walked back to her apartment and she, you know, she got back and she went in the elevator. But when she got in the elevator, though, she got a text. She got a text from John and she ignored it, though, because she was mad and rightfully so. She's like, you just are. She's like, you just stood me up on our date. And why should I even entertain? You know, why should I even answer this text? You know, she was really annoyed. But then he tried calling her. And, you know, she was like, you know what, I'm going to pick up this, I'm going to answer this phone call just to give him, you know, a piece of my mind and then hang up. But as she, you know, tried to say anything, he interrupted her with panic in his voice, trying to, or telling her that he was actually stopped by police because they are searching for a deranged serial killer who was last seen on foot heading towards the apartment building that she lives in, you know, and she hears that and she was like, oh, wow, you know, and she's in an elevator. And just as, you know, just as she's taking this all in, taking this information and realizing like what, you know, he just told her, two men walk in, two men walk into the elevator with her. And she's, you know, standing there wondering like which one of the, could, you know, either one of these guys could be the serial killer because she didn't get, you know, she didn't hear a description of what he looked like, you know, and I guess she doesn't want to draw attention to herself from a, you know, a potential serial killer. So she kept quiet and, you know, there's, so there's these other two guys and she doesn't know if either, if one, she doesn't know if either of them is the serial killer and, and if one of them is, she doesn't know which one it is. So, She's kind of stuck in a difficult situation and she lives in a skyscraper apartment building. I think it was like 98 floors. So she has, I don't know what floor she's lived on, but she probably has a long ways to go, you know, and then, and then even more guys get onto the elevator. So she feels trapped. She could try to get off the elevator and just, you know, but she's already up several stories. You know, she's already traveled up through up the building pretty far. And if one of the killers is on the elevator with her, what is to stop him from following following her off the elevator and to her room and killing her? You know, maybe in her mind, she's safer in the elevator because at least... There's other guys in there with her that would protect her and help stop whoever the serial killer was. But that did no good. 
because it turns out that one the serial killer was one of the guys that was in the elevator with her and he got out a an interesting weapon he got out a pair of nunchucks that was modified so it could have two knife blades on both ends and he quickly slashed slashed the throats and stabbed and instantly killed all the men that were on the elevator that were in the elevator with him leaving sarah all alone to defend herself against this serial killer you know but she was not a pushover in this scenario though she was not she wasn't going to go without a fight she put up a strong fight and it might have it caught the serial killer off guard because she was able to go toe-to-toe blow for blow you know traded punches and she clawed and she fought hard and in her mind she just had to make sure that he could not get a hold of her that he could not grab her and overpower her so she did everything she could to not let that happen and she had to dodge and she had to you know work around his his weapon and even take it you know possibly take it from him and and use it against him and it sounds like that's what she did you know she was able to you know fight back and pull one end of the nunchucks away from him and stick it between the the elevator shaft and let it get caught in the doors so when it the elevator continued to ascend you know, she just you know then you know she all she had she just kicked the other end into his face and then and then put the other end in between the elevator shaft and let the doors close on it and then as the elevator shaft ascended up it yanked the nunchunks yanked on his face and pulled off his head um, immediately decapitating him which was a weird which is a great which is a gross but very effective method and that is really impressive for her to be able to do that she was able to just kick the kick one end of the nunchucks into his face and then stick the other end in between the elevator shaft and the door so they would get caught as the elevator shaft would rise up and the force of the elevator yanking on his face it pulled his head off and it killed him so that is a crazy kill but you know it worked and you know she had blood all over her she was exhausted she had just put up the fight of her life for her life and she did what she had to do you know and she she barely got out she was beat up she was she got nicked and stabbed and sliced quite a bit by the nunchuck blades but she was able to get out and when the elevator reached the the rooftop level you know she got out she looked for the exit in the hallway and walked out onto the rooftop where she finds John. You know, John, the guy that was supposed to show up for their date but never did. 
And he is just standing there and he's looking very shocked and confused. And turns out that he actually hired the, a hitman to try to take her out in the elevator because he was mad at her for getting him fired at his job. So this was a coordinated, a this was a plot to try to get revenge on her and and kill her in the elevator. But he didn't realize that she was kind of a badass and she was not a pushover and she actually defeated the, you know, she actually defeated the nunchuck wielding maniac and she killed him. And not only did she kill him, but she got his head taken off. I mean, she's kind of a serious badass. And John, at this point, did not realize who he was fucking with. You know, but he was like, you know what? If he can't do the job, I'm going to try to do it myself. And he got out when he got out a knife from his pocket and he decided to chase her. But and she was already exhausted from the first fight. She was badly wounded. She was bleeding. She was exhausted. She didn't know if she had the strength to fight back against another against another person. So she so she tried to run and they're on the rooftops and there's nobody nearby that can hear her yell for help. But Sarah's very smart and she has really good instincts and she could just tell or she just knew that John was going to try to tackle her, was going to try to run up behind her and tackle her. So he, she, as she was running, she anticipated John's move and she timed it very well. And as he lunged to grab her, to jump on top of her, she quickly dodged out of the way and he stumbled and fell off the roof. He fell 98 stories to his death. I mean, talking about a fucking badass, like Sarah is not only is she tough, but she's smart as hell. You know, she, she did what she had to do. She fucking um, got John to basically throw himself off the roof. And he basically killed himself. Wild story, though, you know. And then after that, of course, she was like, you know what? I've had it with this town. I've had it with this town. Going on blind dates. People aren't showing up on them. And, you know, or they're trying to hire somebody to kill me or try to kill me themselves and or you know she's tired of you know dates going wrong people not showing up people are trying to kill her she just had and you know and she's lonely she's like you know what i'm quitting my job and i'm starting a whole new life somewhere else and then eventually her story did her her, her story did get around and she came a little a bit well known and she became her story became famous. <sighs> Crazy story. So I mean, I like that it was. She kind of, it was kind of like you know she she got, you know she, I don't know this story was pretty exciting. Uh, I liked it. I liked everything. I liked how you know she's in the elevator and then she's trapped with the serial killer. But at first she doesn't know which one it is and 
she's thinking about leaving the elevator, but she's afraid if she does that the killer will just follow her and then she won't have any protection from the other guys. But then it turns out that she didn't need protection from any of them. That she was actually more, uh, that she herself is all she needed to defend herself. She didn't need anybody else. You know, she put up a good fight and surprisingly, to, you know, surprising to the the serial killer, she won. You know, she won. She was able to, you know, get his head ripped off and... And then she, you know, and then John tried to be like, hey, um, I didn't know that you were going to survive, survive all that. But here I am. Here's my motive. And I'm going to try to take care of you myself. And his dumbass threw himself off the roof. Crazy turn of events, man. Turn Crazy turn of events. But, uh, yeah, I liked it. I guess... The moral of this story is, I don't know, man. I guess learn about the people that you're, you know, you know, take the time to learn the people that you agree to go on a date with. Because I feel like if she's HR, if she would have did some digging, I think she would have discovered that this guy used to work at the company that you, that you are HR for and probably would have saw the history that you know, that he was fired and maybe I guess she had a little bit to do with getting him fired since she is HR. I wonder what he did, you know, who knows? I guess it doesn't really matter, but, um, yeah, I think she should have did a little bit of digging and I, I guess this could have happened quite a, you know, a long time ago, a very long time ago in order for her to forget, you know, forget about, this John guy are not put two and two together but you know he could have lied on his profile probably did and there's probably really no way for her to actually know until she saw him but that's probably why he didn't show up to the date because he was probably thinking that if he showed up to the date that she would recognize him so instead of showing up to the date and taking care of her herself he kind of arranged this elaborate plot for her to be alone inside the elevator and then he would just wait for her at the rooftop and then hire a hitman to hopefully take her out before he does. So he doesn't have to, to kind of keep his hands clean of it. But, um, man, that fucking backfired so hard. He had no idea who he was messing with. Sarah is a badass. She fought back and she won. She defeated both of them with ease and... You know, so good for her. And you know what? I like this story. This is a good positive story. Even though she was, you know, it seems like all the, you know, all the odds were, were stacked up against her. She still prevailed. And she came out on top. And she, decapi she decapitated a dude. And she watched one guy throw himself off the roof because of her, you know, her clever maneuvering and timing like this story so anyways like i said moral of the story is get to know the people that you're planning on meeting up for a date do some investigating always always get to know the person not the profile because the profile can say anything it wants 
you know, the profile can say anything that the guy wants you to believe or the person wants you to believe. But it most likely is bullshit. You got to know the person, not the profile. So there you go. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed those last two stories. Those two stories were wild. Um, I want to say thank you again to all my listeners. I appreciate all of you. Anyone who clicks on this podcast and gives us a chance, I appreciate you. Please let me know. Please comment. Please send me a message or, you know, let me know what you think about these episodes and think about this podcast or, you know, th- you know, think about these stories and, you know, maybe tell me what, you know, what kind of stories you want me to do next or maybe if you have a story idea yourself that you would like to share, I would love to hear it. Um, you can reach out to me on BennyB278 on TikTok. And uh, you can look up Memory Arcade on Twitter. There's also a Memory Arcade on TikTok. And yeah, you can find me in one of those two places. I would love to hear from you. Um, I hope everybody out there is doing well. Um, I know some, you know, there's a lot of crazy things right now, a lot of violence and stuff going on out there in the world. And I just want to let you all know that, um, you know, that I hope everybody out there you know staying safe and i hope everybody i hope the best for everybody and just want everybody to just kind of love each other but you know that's you know i know that we live in the real world but all we can do is hope all we all we can do is just hope for the best and um you know so uh appreciate all of you everybody please make sure to reach out check on your friends check on your family you know, check even if you just spoke to them earlier. Say you just literally just watched a movie together. You went to the movies together. You ate at a restaurant together. You just saw them not that long ago. You talk to them every day. You know what? Check on them anyways. Ask them this question like, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? Like, is everything cool? Like, not just checking in, but touching, but, but checking in on a on a heart-to-heart, you know, like on a mental level, you know, see how they are mentally and emotionally, you know, you know, they could be having some stuff that they're hiding and some stuff that they're dealing with. And maybe they would really, you know, love, you know, to talk about it with somebody. Maybe there's a passion, maybe they're passionate about something and they want to talk about it. Check in on your people, always check in on them because um, I know it's, you know, cliche, they say, oh, you never know, it might be the last time, but d- d- just do it anyways, because why not? Why would you not want to let the people know that you, not, why would you not want the people that you care about them, care about the most to know that you're thinking about them? I mean, isn't that the whole point of friends? Yes, it's, you know, for company and entertain you know to entertain ourselves and and stuff like that but there's more to it than that there's a whole reason why you choose to have the people in your you know the people that in your life there's a reason why you choose to have them in your life so you know check up check in on your people everyone your mom grandparents your dad i mean everyone so just make sure you do that and um anyways thank you for clicking on this podcast hope everyone stays safe i am going to go edit this get it out
and then go to bed because I am tired. Later.